Connor Bain snaps awake and finds himself staring up into the smiling face of Sanville Trett. It takes him a moment, but he works his way through the sleep-induced confusion and adjusts his position on the bed. Mr. Trett, what are you doing here? Your caretaker fell asleep on the job. Thought I'd step in, see if you needed anything. Leaning back warily, Connor shakes his head. I appreciate the offer, but I've been well taken care of. If there's nothing else... Well, that's the thing. I've heard rumors that you've got a malady that's not responding to your more... conventional, divine-based curative methods. The merchant places a leather pouch down on Connor's lap and slowly unfolds it, revealing a series of individually bound, self-contained injection guns filled with various colors of different liquids. His hand hovers over a yellow one near the center. I do believe I can help in that regard. And I assume this help would come at a price? Sanville clicks his tongue and turns away, shaking his head while he walks to the other side of the room. He stares at the wall for several seconds, seemingly lost in thought, before turning back. Funny you should ask that, Master Bane. I'm looking for some information. You know how I love information and I think you can point me in the right direction. Out with it, then. Even in his addled state, Connor senses danger in the merchant's voice. He looks down at the array of medications sitting on his lap, trying to identify them on sight, but his mind continues to betray him. I'll help you if I can, but I'm afraid the nanites are hindering my thoughts. They may not be of much use. Laughing a bit, Sanville walks back over to Connor's bedside and kneels down, staring into the face of the wounded man. Yesterday, a couple of my friends visited one Garmin Ulrith, at my prompting. They found something very special amongst his things, and they stopped the headaches that had been plaguing the town. We both know this. Now, I don't understand why my friends brought whatever it is they found here instead of to me that's a question for them. I'd simply like you to tell me what they found in that warehouse, and maybe where it is right now. For a long moment, Connor sits in silence, mulling the question over. His eyes sit on the medications, knowing he should be able to tell one from another, sweating profusely because he simply can't. I'm afraid I can't tell you that. I've been asked to keep it to myself. Trett frowns theatrically and sighs, heaving himself back up to his feet. He reaches over and grabs one of the medicinal injectors, resting it free of its pocket. I understand. You gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. He shakes his head slowly, almost imperceptibly, while examining the contents of the vial. You can't blame a guy for asking. I'm sorry, Sandville. It's nothing personal. No, no, of course not. You're a good guy. An honest guy, and loyal, too when it suits you. I don't know what you're getting at. Don't mind me. I'm just thinking out loud. Thinking that I've got some real good stuff in my bag of tricks here. He slaps a leather pouch, making Connor jump. The kind of stuff that'd make you answer my questions whether you wanted to or not. I'm guessing the state you're in, you're not exactly prepared to put up a fight, eh? Now wait a second, Sandville. Think about what- I wasn't finished! Connor. I was just saying how we're both such stand-up guys who treat our friends really well, who do each other favors all the time, who'd never dream 
of pumping the other full of bad medicine, right? Certainly not, but I don't see... I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to help you out, just like I always do. Just to show that there are no hard feelings. He kneels down once more, bringing the injector up and pressing it into the crook of Connor's elbow. Just a little pinch, and you'll be as good as new, Paul... Connor? As the serum enters into his veins, Connor's eyes go wide and his skin pales. What did you say? Sanva leans back, smiling, and lets the vial pop free of the injector and fall to the floor. Hmm? I'm afraid I don't know what you mean. You don't look so great, though. Maybe I should get out of your hair. I got a letter to write, and you need your rest. Thank you for your assistance. I can already feel my mind clearing. Hopefully that medicine has done the deed. It has. Take it easy for a few days, though. Let that kid of yours take care of you. Does she remember who you were, by the way? Or is it all going to be a big surprise for her? Connor turns his head down towards his lap and closes his eyes, sighing hard. What do you want, Sandville? I told you already. Just a little information. It's nothing personal. A man's got to make a living. This is Pot Against the Machine. Against the machine. Welcome to Pot Against the Machine, the only D20 actual play podcast that rolls exclusively D100s. I'm your host, Sam, and here is your cast. Hello. What's well, a different intro? Well, I thought you could all say hello, like, without being told to say hello. You have autonomy. No, can't. I can't do that. I'm, I'm out. I'm off the show. <laughs> but hi, I guess. We just discussed this off air. Can you just finish this last one, Izzy? <laughs> Actually, can I can I talk to you over here, Jeff? Yeah, hold on. We're going to go into a different you, channel. You, you could <laughs> talk, talk amongst yourselves. Um, it's just that I feel like sometimes um, Sam is not clear when he wants us to say hi. And I um, can't deal with that lack of like direction in my life anymore, you know? Yeah, I just want to validate your feelings because what you're saying is completely fair and you deserve to feel respected in your own podcast. This should be a safe place for you. I, I do appreciate that. Just jump like one second. I just feel like you guys are all still listening and we told you to not do that. I'm drawing. Oh, no. I'm not. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I'm not. All right, introductions. Sorry, I'm starting a different podcast in the other room. Yeah, I'm actually recording my other Pathfinder podcast in the meantime. I'm just kind of moonlighting. It's fine. Oh, he is drawing in Rule 20. I saw that. <laughs> I drew a speech bubble and wrote hello in it on top of Argus. I want to see. Anyway, so I guess we'll recap. All right, we did it. Good job, team. Introductions. Yay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's definitely a top 10 introduction, I think. It's at least a top 25. <laughs>
give or take. <laughs> uh, when last we left our heroes, they had returned to the uh, spaceship under the ground and done some exploring. They found a nice bathroom that still works. And then they found a room with a monster boss in it. I believe it was Fungal Thor, I want to say. Yeah, that sounds right. He was definitely Thor, and he was definitely like a total boss monster who like was super, super tough, and his 35,000 minions all went down in about two rounds. <laughs> so it was a little bit of, you know, a confidence booster as the party just absolutely shredded a lot of plants. After uh, losing horribly to the same zombie again. <laughs> I think this episode existed exclusively to make us all feel better. <laughs> Except for Jeff. <laughs> Uh, so that's where we are. You all are standing in one of the famous 10-foot hallways on, on this spaceship between a couple different rooms, which you haven't really had a chance to explore on account of filling them up with plant corpses. Speaking of corpses, Sam, uh, we have some loot to acquire, I believe. Yeah, I believe 46 small <laughs> spears. <laughs> yeah, you have um, seven small spears from the little veggie pygmy friends. And you have nine silver discs between them, and there is one magical hammer still clutched in the dead hands of Fungal Thor. Did the uh, big tulip monster have anything, or hopes and dreams? Um, he had some some beautiful foliage. I'm gonna roll an appraise check on that foliage. <laughs> so Sam, that magical hammer, I'd love to take a whack at that with spellcraft. <laughs> All right, let me see here. Go for oh, it. Oh, no negatives here, so plus nine to my roll. That is a seven on the die, though, so that's only a 16. Well, with a 16, you're able to identify this hammer, which looked like a war hammer in the hands of the small monster man who was holding it, but it's actually a medium-sized light hammer. All right. A plus Solid. one light Solid. hammer. Brixby will turn to everybody and say, Um, the leader of this group appeared to be uh, punching above his weight class using a light hammer for you larger folk as a war hammer. Seems. Is anyone interested in this? So the hammer itself didn't appear to have any sort of lightning abilities then? Nope. Just the big old plus one. So uh, Vargas will say, uh, no, I don't use hammers. Uh, Kira, you have a hammer? I do have a hammer. I don't think I need another one, do I? From what I understand, light hammers are like a one-handed weapon for medium-sized people. So, like, it's not going to be as good as, like, the Lucerne or anything. So, I mean, I suppose I could wield it as a small individual who also has a warhammer, but that's not really Brix's vibe. Um, we can sell it, though. It sounds good to me. Do love money. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It could be a replacement for Asher's light mace temporarily, but there's no no way he'll need to keep a multi-thousand gold item. You know, it'll help cancel out the minus one to damage. <laughs> yeah, let's hope you don't need to use this. <laughs> he says to the like incredibly effective range damage dealer. But see, hands over the hammer to Asher. Yes, that would certainly not bode well for our situation. Uh, I, I did roll a 12 appraise on that beautiful foliage. So how much is that worth? Um, you think if you'd kept the plant alive and maybe potted it on in a bigger container, uh, maybe with, you know, some light grit, um, 
then you probably would have been able to sell it for like 25 gold, but um, it's really, it's no longer healthy. It's, it's just not viable. Would you say, could we take like a clipping and do that sort of thing? What is that called? Pro- uh, propagating? A cutting, yeah, for propagating. Mm-hmm. Sell it on a Facebook group. Be a profession gardener. I have no <laughs> skills or professions. We know this. <laughs> Don't need to mock me. <laughs> if only this was 2E, where the one craft skill accounts for all versions of crafting. <laughs> Alas. Craft raised my specific. My specific crafting skills are not in the plant variety. Uh, and Kira sees Asher looking longingly the uh, foliage and is like, I don't think it's going to work, Asher. You, you shot it too dead. Yes, you're right. I do admire the beauty in the natural world, but some things just can't be helped. Like when a murderous plant attempts to devour you, it's bound to wind up shot or smashed. Fargus is going to wander over here to the south into this, what looks like a greenhouse. All right, well, let's see. We haven't actually given you descriptions of either of these rooms yet, so why don't I give you both of them right in a row? Uh, This first room with the tables is filled with the stench of mold and decay, and the room itself is dark, uh, no doubt because of the thick blanket of fungal matter that coats the floor and ceiling. Several chairs sit before work tables containing unusual tools and equipment, while a row of doors line the curved southern wall. I'm pinging some of those doors because I learned how to ping. That's right. Ooh, wait. I think you're doing it on the GM layer. Right here. Oh, am I on the wrong right layer? Are you on the wrong layer? Doors. Yeah. Doors. Those are doors. Three of them. Three. There's of four. Them? Four. Um. Four of them. Oh my god. But that little greenhousey room uh, that Vargas has wandered off into, uh, off the eastern side of the room, the air in this room is unusually warm and moist, with a thin, pale vapor of mist clinging to the ceiling, causing the lighted panels to diffuse and become muted. Condensation runs down the walls along with a riot of unusual brown, dull green vegetation. The moist, thick-stemmed plants and vines grow out of a long, earth-filled trough along the wall, while a tall column of plant matter extends like a tree trunk from a circular planter in the middle of the room to spread a network of vines across the mist-shrouded ceiling. A low humming sound fills the air. Does it sound familiar at all to the humming sound generated by the power relay? Good question. It sounds, I mean, sort of like that. It's like a mechanical humming. It, I would say it's substantially less than the power relay generated, but it definitely seems like electricity or, or power of some sort running through this room. Does a uh, 15 perception find anything in here? Basically just finds that this is a whole bunch of vegetation that is growing out of control. It seems like it's probably only started really growing again recently, but it's totally out of control and the mold is kind of fighting with the plant life to take over the limited space, but there doesn't seem to be anything of interest in there. So he'll step back out and say... It's just more plants in there. Did anyone find anything in this room? Am I seated at flavor terminals, Sam? Or are they real terminals? Uh, Those would be flavor, (laughs) non-functional terminals. So Brixby will look at the flavor terminals and the still existing little plastic film on there that has the fake computer screen on it and just be like, Ah, no, nothing over here. What about in there? I hear a hum. 
I'm going to see what sort of device this is. I rolled poorly. That's uh, a total of a 13, five on the dice for knowledge engineering. Yeah, so it's it's definitely some kind of device, probably something to do with, with raising the plants, but you can't really tell in anything specifically. It's hard to tell for certain with all this mold and plant matter, but I imagine it something to do with the plants themselves. I don't think it bears too much more inspection. Yeah, I think we're fortunate that neither the mold nor plants in that room want to see our blood or red food, as it were. Uh, it does appear that this room has uh, at least four doors in it. We should check them out. Wait, is that what the plant friend meant by red food? <laughs> That's terribly morbid. Yeah, it's still sort of an interpretation, but well, it's, uh, it's, it's what yeah. I'm working with. Not a good guy. Yeah. And Brix is going to walk up to that first door in the kind of northwest um, away from the flavor terminals. Is this locked, Sam? Doesn't appear to be locked. All right. Brix is going to open that door up. Opening the door reveals a small, probably storage chamber. There is a dead human-looking body in the room. It looks like it hasn't been dead for certainly not as long as this ship's been down here. Does the mold look similar to the russet mold that we had dealt with earlier? Uh, this does look okay. like the, the russet okay. mold, not the brown mold. So it's not the cold-generating mold. It's the one that spawns vegetables. Yeah, no, totally. So I can't just ray of frost it away. Okay. Well, uh, I found an unfortunate soul in here. I um, feel a little bit less comfortable extricating this body, though. Brixby will step to the side to allow anyone else to look into that room if they want to. Let's see who wants to go in the creepy fungus room first. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to do anything. I guess uh, Vargas will step up and he'll say, well, we should probably try to identify this corpse. And he will step into the fungus closet. Alright, and stepping into the fungus closet, you see a dead human male. Looks like he had a vegepigmy burst out of his body, or possibly more than one. So the <laughs> cause of death was almost certainly the russet mold infestation. He has on him a silver holy symbol of Bry, a masterwork light hammer, uh, sits on the ground next to the body. This looks as though it's some sort of priest or maybe paladin, possibly from the town. He has a symbol of Bry on him and a hammer very much like the one that creature had. Not quite as powerful, but it does possibly explain where they got such a weapon from. Hmm. Is there anything I can roll to look like to see if he's still like budding? Like if there's still more of these things going to come from him or is he done? A nature or a heal? Uh, 21 knowledge nature. Well, the knowledge nature that high, you're pretty confident that the infection has run its course and uh, without like being reinfected by a vegepigmy, chances are that it, it's done. There's no more going to grow here. They would need a new host and a new infection. All right, then he'll take the uh, symbol and the hammer and give them both to uh, Kira, who I'm assuming is carrying the bag of holding. <laughs> I'm guessing, otherwise it's going to seem really rude just handing it off. 
thank you. I'm going to add that to our list. I remember that one of the previous adventuring groups was a group of priests of Bry. If I recall correctly, we're from out of town. So it may well be that none of us recognize this person, although could well have been in any of the other groups. I wonder if he looks familiar. Yeah, would a local give us anything on him? Would a local give us anything? Your expression is... It could. Oh, rocks. I got an 18. Got a dirty 20. Yeah, with a dirty 20, you're, you're fairly confident you don't know this guy. Anything out-of-towners who probably weren't around very long. Nope. That's a three for an eleven for my local. That's a two for a two. Literally <laughs> never seen anyone in this town ever. It's weird that Kira's just had her eyes closed her whole life. But <laughs> <laughs> she just wanders around with a mask. Um, but it does seem wise to carry any personal effects that we might bequeath to the gear father. Might know how to get this to their next of kin. I think you're right, Asher. It seems like some of those Bry folks might have uh, met their end here. See, so opens the next door. If it isn't locked, that is. The next door opens into a very similar scene. The body, it, it's another dead human male. In this case, the armor that he's wearing is actually intact, despite the rather gruesome manner of death. Unfortunately, I uh, have a similar scene in here. He just looks at the ground and kind of walks away towards the third door, gesturing. Uh, Rick seems pretty obviously uncomfortable continuing to recover dead bodies inside these rooms. The third door reveals much the same. Another dead person clearly killed by a russet mold infestation. Another holy symbol of Bri and all that stuff. Seems to be a third of the unfortunate body that preceded us. This last door here. He moves to the fourth door. And the fourth door reveals a very similar scene. This person sort of looks a little bit, for lack of a better term, higher level than the others. You don't see a hammer in this room, but this person... Uh, is, is more elaborately dressed as a, a priest of Bry. Is there anything, not in a like loot the corpse sort of way, but is there like anything we could bring back for Joram Kite from these folks who I might? Mean, probably their symbols. Holy symbols? Yeah, yeah their yeah. holy symbols would probably be right. like the kind of thing you'd use to identify them. Yeah, Brix is going to pretty like conspicuously not feel. Like, not associate himself with dealing with these corpses. He's a little put off by finding a singular dead body in each of these rooms. So, after opening the fourth door, he sort of walks back towards the doorway. Vargas will go into each of the rooms and take the symbols and the hammers and give them to Kira. We're up to three hammers and four symbols. Did everyone have a symbol and a hammer? Uh, last guy didn't have a hammer because his was the one Thor had. Right, there were, were four holy symbols of Bry, three masterwork light hammers, uh, one salvageable set of masterwork chainmail, 
and the uh, leader had um, a pouch with three potions in it and a uh, magical ring. Ooh. All right, I'm going to toss the spellcraft at that ring. That is a 10 on the die. Gives us Ooh. a 19 spellcraft. You got yourself a ring of protection plus one. Ooh, solid. And I'll give the potions to Asher to roll his thing. Nat 20 on the craft alchemy uh, for a 26 to identify these potions. Those are three potions of cure moderate wounds. Ah, thank Eldira. What a lucky find. Also, aside, this is the first time these Gears of Fate dice have rolled well. So, thank you, awesome <laughs> dice. It was it was a payoff <laughs> later, but but it's good. Carry on. Um, I found a ring that will increase one's defenses against enemies. Bricks will look at everybody. We all need it. <laughs> there is not one of us that I would describe as um hard to hit. Anybody want to roll off? I'm good right now. I'll let somebody else take it because I took the cloak of resistance, so I got a little bit of... I mean, it's not protection of the same kind, but I feel bad taking two magic items. Kira has the natural armor amulet, is that right? I think so. I mean, those stack, that's fine. I was just trying to think of where everything went. I mean, I'll happily roll off. As should Brixby, the melee monster. Yay! Alright. I'm gonna do mine and roll 20. So I just lost my d20. There we go. 15! Okay. Rolling on these new true neutral dice from Dice Envy. Only a 12. Congratulations, Zach! Ooh, Zach with the ring! Well, if you like your rogue, you probably should put a ring of protection on him. That's what I'm saying. Uh oh, oh. Ah, there we go. Don't sue us, Beyonce. Actually, worked out perfect. <laughs> I think we've all gotten one wearable magic item from this uh, spaceship now. Ah. Yeah, it's not like my AC needs much, but <laughs> it is pretty cool to be at a, you know, respectable <laughs> 15. Um. Yeah, I mean, don't be mad when you see that you want it. That's what I always say. I was gonna say that is also my AC, so you could be melee monster. There you go, Rex. You're tied with Vargas now for AC. It's true. I'm ready to be a tank again, guys. Finally. The moral of the story is this is a very hittable party. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, uncomfortable that my 18 makes me the highest I see. By a healthy amount. And I'm in the back. Well, at least with all your front lining, you can... Oh, wait. Well, now I've got this this uh, plus one light hammer. It's uh, Everything is going to change, folks. Yeah, you stay behind me, Kira, is what Asher will say to you next. Got it. Here, take this pistol. I don't need it anymore. No, that that is not canon. <laughs> All right. Well, um, short of tricking our plant friend into coming to this room, we 
with hopes that he'd find companionship, or they would find companionship. This room appears to be relatively useless to us now. We've got one more on this uh, floor, right? The one north of us. And with that, Brix is going to move to that one room to the north of us that we haven't gone into and just look at the door. What does it say to me, Sam? Is the door locked? I'd also love to throw a perception at traps. All right, go for it. All right, that is a 13 on the die there. Vamping while I pull up. Um, so that is either a 21 or a 22 uh, for a mechanical or high-tech trap. It does not appear to be trapped. Is the door locked? It is not locked. All right. Um, Bricks is going to take one more step to the north, so he's still capable of opening the door, but has left a five-foot square to the south of him for somebody to occupy and go in, or Asher to have a shot. And Bricks is going to open the door and then take a step to the east. As the door opens, you reveal a sprawling chamber containing many desks, tables, and chairs arrayed before a number of broken pieces of equipment and machinery. The dried residue of liquid spilled from smashed containers creates a heavy stench in the air, and pieces of glass litter the floor. Wandering through this room are these two strange, tiny, red things like some taut pustule ready to burst, like a mobile wound skittling, scuttling on a bristle of slick hairs. Now let me just nope. pop these nope. up. I believe I can. Nope. Don't just see that into my face. Yeah, I mean, you said pustule. I think we we got it. We're good. God, the general I, vibe. I, we don't need yeah. to nope. pop any. There no. it is. There it is. Hey, oh, you. God, I was hoping mine wasn't working again like last time. I don't think pustule. They're pretty. Oh, it's like a jellyfish. Awesome, mm, awesome. That's yeah, glossy. They're just very normal looking. I'm glossy. A glossy jellyfish. And they're just kind of wandering around on the floor here. Cool. Brex is going to just step back. What a knowledge role would it be to identify those bad boys? I believe that's a dungeoneering. Ooh, nice. I think I got one of those for you, my friend. Let me just... Ooh, yeah, we got a plus eight to this roll. Nice. Ooh, that's a 14. We're looking at a 22 from old Bricksbow. With a 22, you know that these are boilborns, which are tiny oozes, purulent wounds that crawl from piles of diseased dead in areas of massive contagion. These oozes slop about thoughtlessly, quivering and ready to burst and infect anything that moves. The creatures manifest in areas racked by plagues where rotten ruin run rampant. Crawling from these afflicted areas, boilworms spread out in all directions to disperse their infection. You also can ask a grand total of two questions about these boilworms. All right, special attacks... These special attacks, the creatures, when they um, actually manage to hit you, 
can infect you with leprosy, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is leprosy. <laughs> also, it isn't like fantasy leprosy. It's like normal leprosy. It is normal leprosy in all its glory. Just a cold. I love in the in this game when occasionally things just give you a normal real world disease. Like there was something earlier that could give us tetanus. <laughs> oh, <totally. laughs> oh yeah, or you can get like the plague in like the skull and shackles yeah. or one of those. You can totally get the plague. It's great. That uh, is fair. Yeah, like you don't get some crazy fantasy disease. You just get leprosy. <laughs> like you went outside and got mauled by an armadillo. Well, to be fair, it. If you didn't know leprosy was a real thing in real life, you might think that it was a crazy fantasy disease. <laughs> the other um, special attack they have is not so much an attack, but they do have death throws. Um, when killed, they explode, and um, they deal acid damage to anything uh, close to them, and um, they can also spread leprosy that way. Define close if that's within the purview of the ability. Um, one would say about a 10-foot radius burst. Cool, cool. So, Brixby, with that, is going to shut the door <laughs> um, and turn back to the group and say, uh, share everything that he shared from that first, and from, uh, first question. Uh, I guess I'll follow it up with special defenses, if that's possible. Um, special defenses, it has a resistance to acid, and it also has your standard ooze traits, which, let's see, I can pull up in just a second, because I totally have these ready. I believe they're one of the few things that are immune to sneak attacks, right? Oozes, elementals, uh, swarms, and one other thing. Yeah, incorporeal, unless you have... Yeah, they're immune to sneak. I think they're immune to precision, too, aren't they? Yeah, I, well, if you're, they're immune to sneak incorporeal unless you have a ghost touch. Yeah, that's the fourth one you're in. Yep, they have uh, no intelligence score and thus an immunity to all mind-affecting effects. They have are blind but have a blind sight. Uh, effectively, immunity to gaze attacks, visual effects, illusions, and any other attack that relies on sight. They're immune to poison, sleep, paralysis, polymorph, and stun. Um, they're not subject to critical hits and cannot be flanked. They uh, cannot take any additional damage from precision-based attacks, such as sneak attack. They also do not sleep. Basically, ugly little jellyfish things, they don't take any sort of precision damage, and they are immune, or not immune, they're resistant to acid. And they explode and hurt you when you kill them. Yeah. And my only ranged attack deals acid damage, so that's fun. <laughs> so we just need to enlarge Kira so she has 15 yeah. feet of reach. I was going to say, I'm so close. Could you tape or ribbon the light hammer to the end of Lucy, effectively giving you a 15-foot long weapon? I like it. With a small penalty. With a small penalty. I, I could cast long arm on you. Can you cast that on another person, or is that only cast on yourself? Let me. Read that. Yeah, what's the range? It might be personal. Self or 
Yeah, it's ranges personal target you. I was going to say I could give Kira a long arm and then she'd have 15 feet of reach with the thing, but it's only self. Give you a glitter hammer and then you could, you know, just do your best. <laughs> so with the door shut, Brixby will turn back to the party and go. Right, well, um, those two little lumps of joy in there can get us sick. Something real awful. Leprosy. If we want to take this room on, um, we're probably best off hitting them from a distance. Do we want to try to confront them, or do we want to check out the elevator? We looked really quickly. Uh, what I saw in there seemed... Actually, Sam, did we see anything else besides, like, tables and chairs from where we were standing? And it was a, a pretty quick look. Um, there were definitely a bunch of broken bottles, flasks and beakers smashed on the floor, and um, strange liquids everywhere, but you didn't really note anything of specific value from a quick glance. Uh, so yeah, just kind of Brixby conveys the extent to which these creatures can be dangerous to kind of the whole party. I guess I just want to check in and see how everybody's feeling. Like, do we want to take on this room encounter knowing what it is? Or do we want to just shut the door and come back on it later? Jeff says no. So unless there are, like, brand nanite begons and or white key cards in there, like, somewhere that we didn't see offhand... The benefit of experience gained does not outweigh the danger <laughs> to me. <laughs> the fact that we don't have a lot of healing uh, and ammunition isn't free for me. So, so I, I as the as the ranged combatant and healer, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I don't know that it would be worthwhile to put us in danger of needing more healing than we can spare or more ammunition than we can spare at the possibility of finding something useful in that room as much as I don't wish to leave creatures capable of spreading disease running free on the ship it doesn't seem that they're able to open this door so they're at least somewhat contained at least as much as our plant friend I wonder if we should introduce them to each other and perhaps we could solve one problem with another yeah. Drop him in here. No, I just worry about the transport across the way, but I agree with you. Um, Sam, we couldn't just, like, grab some of these flavor chairs, throw them in the way of the door, and just shoot this thing mercilessly like we did with that Kalarn, right? Like, make cover uh, with the chairs? I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, I'm not... Did you say they were tiny? Yeah, they're tiny. Ah, never mind. Okay. Yeah, that is clear slide under a chair size. Would we have known from Brixby's check whether they're even aggressive? Like, if we go in there, are they just going to keep slugging around? Or are they going to, like, they might not even attack? <laughs> I think we got the assumption that they are aggressive. Because they, like, feed on dead bodies and spread disease. So, I mean, I chances are they're not, like, some benign little whatevers. Basically, right, if we don't think that this is a good use of our limited resources, I would say that it is wise for us to then 
head south. See if we can make this coupling work inside the uh, transport we've got here. Asher's right. We can always return to these. They can't open the door. Made it this far without uh, the fruits of these rooms. I'm sure we can keep going without it. Unless it has more goo tubes, then I would literally give my tiny rat life. I'm going to be putting up so many, like, paper signs with tape on them on these doors. <laughs> Don't open. Plant. Don't open. Um, blood jellyfish. Do not enter. <laughs> Canonically, Izzy has plenty of sticky notes, so we're in good shape. Yeah, that's true. They're color-coded at levels of danger. It's true. I think they're they're probably more of a blood aspic <laughs> at this point, Jarrell, than a blood jelly, but I don't know. <laughs> 1950s cuisine just um, so with that disgusting mental image uh, mm -hmm. I would love to insert that coupling inside yeah you know when they had like the jello and it had like all the stuff floating in it that thing <laughs> aspic it's like a jelly <laughs> it's like what they did in the 50s when they would suspend like <laughs> veggies inside would look like jello it's like an aspic gross yeah, like tomato aspic it was like a really well-known one for it. It's like a tomato jello. So imagine if V8 was a solid. Oh my god. <laughs> and that, that, my friend, wow. is what I am attempting to evoke with this humor. I um, did not know how little I wanted to imagine that. <laughs> and now it's all I can see. <laughs> Blood aspic. Yep. Um, so, with that, uh, Brixby will rustle out the coupling that was forged during Vargas's body horror session and try to insert it inside the lift. Careful. All right. Well, the first thing you need to do to actually get this lift up and running is somebody's going to have to remove the broken coupling. That sounds like a job for old Bricksbow or Asher. Well, is the tallest person in the party. I am uniquely qualified to remove things hanging from a ceiling of a room. Would that just be a strength check? It's on the on the wall, not on the ceiling. Um, you can do either strength or disabled device to remove this thing. Ooh, well, let's just try a strength check because, you know, embarrassing yourself in front of your friends is just part of the adventuring life. Gonna go, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna throw my sky metal on this. I'm gonna save it. Um, tempting. So let's go with the uh, old orange creamsicle. Nope. Unless the uh, DC was four or lower, Sam, I think I failed. Uh, make a reflex save. Dope. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, natural 18 for a 27. Okay, so as Asher struggles to try to remove this coupling. Feels a shock, but he manages to let go of it before uh, enough electricity actually gets into his hand to do any damage, because Asher is canonically faster than electricity now, according to that <laughs> reflex save. Right, right, Brisby says. Oh, I think we have it wrong. The uh, least tall person has to remove the coupling. And I'm going to roll a disabled device check with a plus 11. Well, I still rolled a six. That makes it a 17. 
Can you roll me a reflex save? Oh, yeah, I can. There you go. Also an 18 on the die, making that a 24, if not a 25, if it's a spell or spell I can do. All right, so this time Brixby is so quick and so deft with his hands that he manages to remove the broken coupling and get out of the way before the electricity makes it down the wire at the speed of light and gives his hands. He is unharmed. Right, you loosened it for me. Um, can someone hand me the other coupling? I'll uh, try to put it in. And uh, Brix will attempt to put the coupling into the malfunctioning elevator. All right. You can succeed automatically on this particular installation, but I do need another reflex save. <laughs> All right. That's fine. Got a plus six on this. Can't be bad unless I roll a three. That makes it a nine, Sam. A ten if it's a spell or spell like ability. Oof, no. 8d12 electricity damage. <laughs> ah, we already healed you. It's fine. Yeah, I've been healed once. It should be good. Yeah, that's going to be a, a nice six electricity damage as you install this and you just can't get out of the way in time this time. Right before the circuit is complete, uh, Brixby is a part of it. And, you know, you feel one with the ship as the electricity shoots down your arm and your spine. Oh, uh, he turns back around to the rest of the group. I, um, think I got it in there. I just, uh, cracks his neck right to left. Do we have any more hits on that wand? We're down to two. Do you have any more of those? Space drugs. Space drugs, as you called them, I believe. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right, so I'm going to ingest some space drugs. We've done 10 of the 30 charges on this, Sam. So I'm going to use the 11th charge. Um, Time to pull out these uh, D100s, I suppose. As was foretold in the intro, we exclusively roll D100s. I roll these before I roll the D8, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Roll number one. Roll number one was a 14. Roll number two was a 92. Nice. All right. With the 92, um, you get to re-roll any results of one. Ooh, yay. All right. I'm glad I got that. I rolled a one. I rolled a seven this time, so eight. Nice. All right, cool. I'm actually at full, uh, and I will mark one more off of our space drugs. So Brixby gets shocked, rides the space dragon, turns back to the party, fully healed, and goes, all right, <laughs> who's ready to ride this elevator? His pupil's just a little dilated. <laughs> you okay? Oh, better than I've been. Cool. Let's get on the elevator. I love that Vargas isn't even on the elevator. <laughs> like, we're just leaving him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Vargas is standing 35 feet away, staring at this stuff suspiciously. As well he should. Um, now that the coupling has been reattached, though, the elevator has sort of word to life. The whole room is pretty clearly electrified, and that control panel that Brixby is standing in front of, it still lists the deck numbers, but that flashing red line at the bottom that said elevator offline, uh, that's gone. That has cleared. Deck 3, Science, is highlighted in bright blue, and your options right now are Deck 4, Engineering, 
Deck 2 crew and Deck 1 docking. Right, uh, group. So, we have the ability to go, uh, up one to crew, you said? Four is crew, and then down is... Um, four four is engineering. Four is engineering. Right. So above us uh, is engineering. Below us is the crew quarters. Then below that is uh, docking. Do folks want to go up? Then we go down. I like the idea of engineering. He looks to Asher. You like engineering science stuff? Yes. I imagine if there's something that would reignite the torch, we'll probably find it there. I would hope so. But yeah, we can always check the other uh, floors after. Vargas, you coming along? Vargas is going to very gingerly, suspiciously <laughs> step over the threshold into the elevator. I've told you before I'm not... <laughs> I don't like this technology, this ancient technology. But if you think it's safe, I agree with you. Engineering seems like it would be the go-to place to maybe find something to do with the torch. I think uh, sensing Vargas's discomfort, Kira will say, I think we're going to be okay, and put another sticker on his arm. Without asking. A non-consensual sticker. One that just says brave. <laughs> You're doing so good. No, I think you do have to roll a touch attack on that. Great, I'll do it. But he's I, flat-footed. I think. It's a combat maneuver check. How does one roll a touch attack? Just, is it still a d20? Yeah. Just, do you roll your melee, but it's against his touch AC. Plus your strength. Ooh, that's a 16 on the die. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> uh, took that sticker so hard. Yeah, plus, is it plus drink? Plus four, so dirty 20. I think you got him. <laughs> We've established his AC is 15. You got to keep all those numbers you know, floating around. <laughs> yeah, that gets it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and my touch AC is quite a bit lower. Asher will also sense Vargas's reluctance. Because uh, even he could realize that somebody who was standing 35 feet away and then gingerly approaching <laughs> is hesitant, would say, Well, Vargas, I can assure you, if you die a horrible death here in this skyship, we shall, as they say, pour one out for you at the Silver Disc Hall. Yeah, without a doubt, the most morbid thing that Asher has said. Without... <laughs> Asher, I think stickers work better. <laughs> I love the implication that somehow Vargas would be the only one that would die if this thing went wrong too. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Brixby offers no comfort. He's just like, yeah, you're not gonna make it. Right, mate, you're afraid of technology. It's <laughs> not Goodbye. Uh, and with that, he is going to hit the floor four. And when you <laughs> when you press the button. There's a little bit of a, you know, video game beep. And um, an anvil falls from the ceiling and crushes Vargas and Vargas alone with no save. <laughs> I hate to see it. Um, 
No, a mechanical yeah. anvil. Oh my God. Sounds like a high tech anvil too. <laughs> it's got LEDs on it and it extra tech. If I had only spotted it. <laughs> it's a streaming anvil. I'm sorry, Vargas. You should have rolled perception. <sighs> too bad. I'll miss him. He was a fun character. But the uh the four doors of this circular room uh, close one by one in dramatic fashion with vroom, 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 adding to the you know real sense of claustrophobia for everyone, especially Vargas, as you're now in a cylindrical room that's only a little bit taller than a person, and the whole thing starts to vibrate and hum as there's you know a little bit of grinding at first. This thing clearly hasn't moved in quite a while and then suddenly you feel yourselves moving up and it goes that's right i'm doing all my own foley work now Ooh, i couldn't tell i thought you had someone <laughs> the guy from police academy in there with you <laughs> just literally <laughs> yeah i know yeah he's got michael winslow on retainer <laughs> solid elevator music <laughs> Is that Michael McDonald? I can't <laughs> Jeff, are you kidding me? You're supposed to do Woman from Impanina. I was gonna. It has to be the girl from Impanina. Like, there's li- that's the only elevator song. So, um, that's okay. Thank you, Jeff. And after some extremely long seconds of riding this cylindrical room up to the next floor it stops and seems Mm. to power down but you realize that the humming doesn't go away if if anything it's actually louder here oh buddy reminds you of of being close to that power relay there's there's a a palpable vibration in the air and the the walls kind of slide as you come to a stop here and I'll reorganize themselves as, as if all of the panels of this elevator are movable and can kind of reshape as needed. And there's only one exit to this room now. It's leading out to the east. And before you open that door, no. I'm going to bed. <sighs> yep, saw that one coming. All right. <laughs> Good night, Sam. Good night, Sam. Night, Sam. Good night, Sam. I didn't even get to make my musical reference. That's fine. Well, we have time for outtakes. Ooh. Just going to say that I'm picking up good vibrations. You can cut that in ahead of it. It'll sound like you made that joke. That's a good one. Okay, we'll just slide that in there. I'm picking up good vibrations. <laughs> property of its creators, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path, the properties of Paizo Publishing. Please visit them at paizo.com for more information.
theme against the machine written and performed by our own Zach. Please consult the show notes for additional music and sound effect licensing information. Craig. <laughs> Craig's not listening to you. Yeah, you better record. <laughs> well, if it's going to lie to me, I'm not taking that sass from no Craigbot. <laughs> Just imagine this like Hal 9000 voice. But Sam, I'm already in the chat. <laughs> I've always been recording. Oh, not you, Google. Come on, Craig. Craig and Alexa are going to fight. He's not currently waiting. I'm just saying she could also be like, I'm going to punch this. Which we don't have to cut out because we haven't started recording. Hey, they already tagged my swear. So tag Izzy's swear. Mark it down. (laughs) Mark it down. (laughs) Mark it down. But it's, oh, yeah, someone did tag. This is not fair. We cannot count these pre-recording swears. They're not even swears. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> oh, mine wasn't a joke. That's fine. <laughs> no, I'm the tagging of the swear pre-recording was a joke. <laughs> Everything I say is a joke. <laughs> we're saving it for evidence or cutting it from the episode. No, because you've done it to me, too. You guys are oppressing our swearing rights. Although now that Jeff, you've actively said your kids are listening. Yeah, that makes it hard. Their little faces are so cute. Yeah, now they're at least two children, and I'm like, can't swear in front of kids. Sam, clap. No, it's impossible. It's never gonna look or sound good. It literally doesn't matter. We can line it all up with the with the spike. It's just, it really makes me happy. I'm just like, I don't even want to participate. I just want to watch y'all have fun. Like, it, you kids go. It just makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I'm just like, it's okay if we all just win. <laughs> well, maybe, no, 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 no. Just redact that. I'm not that creepy. They're my kids. They're like loosely my kids. We're cutting all of this. <laughs> Thank God. Hello, people in the pod. <laughs> Hello, people in the Discord. You're all my children. <laughs> uh, that's going to be in our Sirenscape pack. No, that that's a drop on its own now. <laughs> I'm not that creepy. <laughs> Along with Jeff Sink. Chunky Kitty, which I have isolated and saved forever. I don't remember the context. I don't even remember <laughs> the context for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've been around enough. Seven minutes. <laughs> so, well, Zach said another swear. All right, so done editing this part. Ah, that's a noticeable sound wave there.